must confess Jesus as Lord. It's more than a knowledge of the facts of the gospel. It's more than a mental assent to their truthfulness. Saving faith involves the total commitment of oneself to Jesus Christ. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Does having true, saving faith mean you can live your life any way you want? Hello, I'm Bill Wright. Today we continue Tom's series in Romans 4, titled A Portrait of Faith. Biblical faith is defined as that of those who have repented of their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Such a faith results in total commitment and allegiance to Christ. Unfortunately, many in our world today profess Christ with their words, but have nothing to do with Him in their lives. Others treat Christ like a dating relationship, or perhaps even an engagement. They associate themselves with Him, but never fully commit. The Bible, however, teaches that true authentic faith entails abandoning one's own life, all its ambitions and desires, in order to wholeheartedly follow Christ. Tom will continue his look at Abraham as an illustration of this kind of faith. Let's join our teacher right now on The Word Unleashed. Not every kind of faith that is connected to the Christian faith is true saving faith. In fact, there are several kinds of non-saving faith connected to Christianity. Let me give them to you. Number one, natural faith. Natural faith. This is the kind of everyday faith that we exercise when we sit in a chair and believe it's going to hold us up, or we get on an airplane and believe it's going to actually take off and get us to our destination. Now, we've all used this as kind of a pedestrian example of faith, it's not faith. That's not faith. That is simply going on the basis of the law of mathematical probabilities. You have seen other people sit in chairs. You have sat in chairs. You have seen other people seat, sit on pews like you're sitting on this morning. You have seen airplanes fly through the sky and not fall. And you've seen most of them get to their destination. And so you make a a choice, a decision calculated on the basis of mathematical probabilities that I've got a decent chance if I sit on this pew, it's going to hold me up. Or if I get on that plane, it's going to get me to my destination. That is not faith. And it's not saving. Secondly, there's historical faith. Historical faith. This is a purely intellectual kind of faith. It accepts the facts of Christianity as history. A lot of people who grow up in countries that are predominantly Christian as opposed to Muslim or Buddhist have historical faith. Yeah, I, I believe that Christ lived and died and rose from the dead. I believe that, that uh, what he taught was true. I believe there's a lot of good things there. This is historical faith. This is not saving faith. Number three, miraculous faith. This describes the faith of those in the times of Christ and the apostles who believed because of miracles. But it wasn't real saving faith. It wasn't changing, regenerating faith. How do I know that? Let me give you an example. John chapter 2, verse 23 says, They saw the miracle Jesus performed and they believed in Him. And the very next verse says, 
But Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew they weren't really, truly believing in him. It was a a non-saving kind of faith. It was a miraculous faith that based on a miracle. John 6, the feeding of the 5,000, you see that again. It's like, boy, they were thrilled. They saw the miracle. Wow, this is great stuff. They want to make him king. They believed. It just wasn't saving faith. Jesus himself said this about miracles, right? In Luke 16, he said, listen, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe, what? Though someone rises from the dead. Though a miracle happens. This isn't saving faith. A fourth kind of non-saving faith is temporary faith. This is the kind of faith that is an immediate emotional response to the message of the gospel. Wow, that's wonderful, and that's great news, and there's weeping, and there's crying, and there's a, a decision of some kind. Jesus describes these temporary kinds of expressions of faith in the parable of the soils, two of them, you remember? One of them was the rocky soil. The soil that didn't have enough root, it was shallow. And when persecution comes, this person looks like the real deal, but persecution comes and they're gone. You don't see them again. But Jesus also describes another kind of temporary faith. It's it's the thorny soil. It's the soil where thorns grow up and gradually choke the life out of the seed. What is that? Jesus described it this way. He said, those thorns are the worries, riches, and pleasures of this life. All the stuff of this life chokes the life out of that initial emotional response to the gospel. The difference is in the case of the rocky soil, persecution comes, happens at once. In the case of the thorny soil, it is a slow, imperceptible death of the seed. Here's a person who may still show up at church, may still go through the motions, may still claim to be a Christian, but there's no life. Temporary faith. Those are all kinds of non-saving faith. There's only one kind of faith that is biblical faith, and that is supernatural. It is a gift of God. It is a work of the Spirit of God in the human heart. And when Paul uses the word believed, Or faith in this passage, he intends that we understand that usage in light of the total context of Romans and of the entirety of the Scripture. So what is the nature of true saving faith as opposed to dead non-saving faith? Well, in the New Testament, the Greek word translated faith and its verb form believe each occur about 240 times. So together, almost 500 times. When you look at those 500 occurrences, you discover three key elements of true saving faith. Three key elements. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to examine your own faith this morning as I, as I briefly touch on these three elements. And ask yourself, is the faith that I'm exhibiting full biblical faith? Are all three of these elements in the faith that I claim or not? Examine your faith. Number one, the first element that's always in true saving faith is knowledge. Theologians have attached Latin words to each of these. The Latin word for knowledge, notitia. This is the intellectual part of faith. And it has to do with the content of what we believe. 
The only foundation of true saving faith is knowing and understanding the truth about God and Christ and the gospel. Now, the Greek phrase that highlights this element is usually translated in our Bibles, believe that. And then there's some fact that we are to believe. Believe that something. Let me give you a couple of examples. John 8, 24, Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, and he uses that Old Testament name of God, you will die in your sins. There's content to faith. You have to know something. In John eleven forty two, 42, Jesus says in his prayer to the Father, he says, I want the people around me to believe that you sent me. John 20, verse 31, John says, the things I've chosen to write, I've written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christos, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in His name. John 10, 9, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So you see that the first element of faith has to be knowledge. Now, what knowledge do you have to have in order to exercise saving faith? Well, you must know certain truths about God and Christ. Let me just give you a sampling. You must know, for example, that there is one God with whom Jesus shares essential unity. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says there is one God. John 14, 11, Jesus says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. One God with whom Jesus shares essential unity. You must believe Jesus' preexistent deity. John 8, 24, I just cited it a moment ago. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. You must believe His identity as the Son of God. 1 John 4.15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. You must believe in His identity as the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. 1 John 5.1 Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christos, the Messiah, has been born of God. You must believe in His incarnation, that He took on Himself, that the eternal Son of God took on Himself full humanity. 1 John 4, 2, every spirit that confesses that Jesus, Messiah, has come in the flesh is from God. So, you have to know certain facts about Jesus and about the nature of God. You must also, however, know the message of the gospel. Jesus, in, in the first sermon recorded in Mark's gospel, Mark 1, 14 and 15, says, Jesus came preaching the gospel, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. You can't believe a gospel that you don't know. So you have to know what the gospel teaches. Paul says the same thing in Romans 10. He says, how will they believe in Him of whom they've not heard? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the message about Christ. You say, well, what is the message of the gospel? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
Here in nutshell form is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15.1, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also receive, that's describing their faith, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So what did you believe? What's the gospel? Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christos, the Messiah, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that is, He really died, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and then to more than 500 brethren at once, and so forth. That's the gospel. Look at verse 11. Whether then it was I or the other apostles, this is the gospel we preached, and this is the gospel you believed. So if I could summarize it then, I could say this. Faith includes a knowledge of your own sinfulness, a knowledge that your sin is under the judgment of God. That's what you need to be saved or rescued from. A knowledge of your utter helplessness except in God. In other words, faith is a repudiation of all other solutions except Christ. A knowledge that through the sinless life and the substitutionary death of Jesus, who suffered the just punishment of God in the place of every sinner who will ever believe and was then raised from the dead, because of Jesus' work, there is complete pardon from sin, there is complete acceptance with God, and there is justification before God. That although every one of us is personally unrighteous, for everyone who repents and believes, God credits Christ's righteousness to us and treats us as if we had lived His perfect life. You must know those basic truths about the Christian faith in order to believe unto salvation. But knowing the truth about Christ and the gospel doesn't constitute saving faith. Hebrews 4.2 says, speaking of those in the wilderness, they had the good news preached to them, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. In other words, you can have a knowledge of the truth and not have true faith. Faith must include this first element. There must be knowledge, but to be saving faith, it must also include a second element, assent, or in Latin, ascensus. This is a response to your knowledge of the facts about Christ and salvation. It is being convinced that the knowledge you have gained from Scripture about Christ is factually true. You assent to its truthfulness. Now, this is important because you can know the truth of Christianity and not believe it's true. Now, the Greek construction that highlights this element of faith is usually translated believe a person or a proposition. Let me give you some examples. If you look at at Romans 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God. What does that mean? That means he believed that what God was telling him was true. He believed the, the promises God was making to him, that those promises were true. It was assent to the truthfulness of those statements. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. In other words, believes 
the truthfulness of what he's saying through me. John 8, 31, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. Acts 16, 34, speaks of the Philippian jailer and says, having believed God, what he, the gospel he heard from Paul, he believed the truthfulness of it. Titus 3, 8, those who have believed God, that's us, should be careful to engage in good deeds. We believe the truthfulness of the gospel. So knowing the truth and assenting to the truth are essential elements of true saving faith. However, by themselves, those two elements come short of true saving faith because even the demons exercise this much faith. It's what James says in James 2.19. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Listen, folks, the demons know good theology, and they believe it's true. They even have an emotional response to it. They shudder, they tremble at it. So to be genuine saving faith, there must be knowledge, and there must be assent to the truth of that knowledge, but there also must be a third crucial element, and that is trust, or fiducia. This is the volitional response to Christ. It's the heart of biblical faith. Folks, this is the difference between saving faith and non-saving faith. The difference between the faith of true believers and the faith of demons. A couple of Greek constructions highlight this idea. In a few cases, it's believe in or on. Romans 10, 11, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. But the most common expression that's used in the Greek text, unfortunately it doesn't always show up in English, in fact it rarely does, literally says this, believe into. It's usually translated believe in. But let me give you a couple of examples just so you can see it. Philippians 1.29, Paul says, to you it was granted for Christ's sake to believe into Him. 1 John 5.13, these things I have written to you who believe into the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You say, what does that mean, to believe into? Believing into pictures my trust going out and taking hold of the object of my confidence. It is that I believe so much in the trustworthiness of that person that I abandon myself to that truth or to that person. Sinclair Ferguson describes it this way. He says, such trust is always a costly thing because it involves us surrendering our lives to Christ. That is why the Synoptic Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus does not speak simply of faith. He speaks about carrying the cross. He does this to emphasize what faith involves. It means the practical recognition that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. It means forsaking everything else for His sake. This is why Jesus focused so many of His calls to salvation on this third element. Take Luke 9 Verse 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's trust. 
Paul emphasized this third element as well. You remember in, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It is believing the truth of Christ and the truthfulness of Christ in who He is enough that you submit yourself to Him. Submission to Christ's Lordship is an intrinsic part of saving faith. You must confess Jesus as Lord. It's more than a knowledge of the facts of the gospel. It's more than a mental assent to their truthfulness. That's no better than the faith of demons. Saving faith involves the total commitment of oneself to Jesus Christ. For faith to be saving faith, it must be this kind of faith and have all three elements in it. James Montgomery Boyce used to illustrate the relationship of these three elements using dating and marriage. When you're dating someone, you begin by accumulating knowledge about that person. In the early days of dating, that's what you're doing. You're trying to learn something about who they are and and what they like and what they dislike and what their plans are and what their aspirations are, what their, their motivations are, their goals in life. And that's just gathering knowledge. But at some point, if you continue to date them, The knowledge that you have of that person turns into an emotional response. You like them. You're attracted to them. You begin to seriously consider making a long-term commitment. But real commitment to the relationship doesn't come until when? Until you stand on a platform like this one, and in the presence of God and witnesses, you say, I do, I will. Faith includes all of those elements as well. Let me just say that real faith includes not merely a knowledge of Christ and not merely an attraction to Christ and an affirmation that what He teaches and says is true and attractive. It involves the commitment of the will to say, I do. There are a lot of professing Christians who are still dating Jesus Christ. And there are others who are permanently engaged. That's not saving faith. Your faith is not saving faith until you're willing to come to the third element of trust and bank everything on Jesus Christ. Abandon everything to Him. When you're willing to say, I will follow you. That's saving faith. And anything short is not. You can see all three of these elements, by the way, in Abraham's faith. Abraham obviously knew the promises of God. God told him. He affirmed them as true. We saw it in chapter 4, verse 3. Abraham believed God. He believed the truthfulness of them. But you can see the third element of faith in Abraham's faith as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, listen. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. There's the third element of faith. He believed enough to follow, to pack up his his goods, and leave his country and go where God had called him to go. If you want to be declared right with God as Abraham was, then your faith is going to be, have to be like his. It's going to have to be a true biblical faith that includes all three of these elements. Let me ask you as you sit here this morning, do you know the basic facts of the Christian faith? I expect you do. You certainly do after this morning. I've recited them to you. Do you believe they're true? Congratulations. 
You have the faith of demons. For it to be genuine saving faith, it has to take the next step. The third element of faith has to be there. Trust. You must come to Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord. You must stop dating Christ or being engaged to Him permanently. You must commit to Him for time and eternity. And anything short of that is not true saving faith. Saving faith is a biblical faith. Let's pray together. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part two of his series, A Portrait of Faith. Tom will have part three for you on our next program, and we hope you'll join us then. Well, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. We also invite you to visit thewordunleashed.org, where you'll find other resources, including additional series from The Word Unleashed. Again, that's thewordunleashed.org. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals just like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Mm